Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa, and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. We're in chapter 10 today. And in chapter 10, we're coming to a section where Isaiah is prophesying to the nation of Israel. He, is, he just got, uh, you know, we're in this section where he's, he's uh, 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 prophesying to uh, King Ahaz. He's been telling King Ahaz, you need, to, you need to turn to God. You need to get strong. You need not to worry so much. You need, God even asks him through Isaiah for us. Uh, Isaiah for a sign. Would you like a sign? Of course, he passes on this. And then God says, you know what? You don't want a sign from me. No problem. You just make me sick and tired of talking to you. I'll give you guys a sign. And he he gives him the sign of uh, the virgin birth of Emmanuel, the Savior, the Messiah. That was back in seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. <clears throat> and then... <clears throat> He's, he's saying, you know, why are you asking the dead already in sin what you need to do? Why don't you ask the living God? So he gives him a lot of <clears throat> powerful, powerful advice. Of course, it falls on deaf ears. So yesterday we looked in, in chapter 9. It's talking about this child being born and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So it's not only sort of a, a we were looking at yesterday, this prophecy of Jesus' birth like as a baby in humility, but it's also a prophecy of him coming back for his second coming in, in glory. So first off, he comes in humility and then the second coming, he's coming in glory, in judgment. And so uh, um, a lot of forward-looking prophecy. And so now um, it's sort of turning to the judgment part now. Uh, so Isaiah now is uh, talking about... Um, this prophecy that God is going to use Assyria to cleanse the nation uh, of sin right now. And so um, this concept that we are seeing throughout Isaiah that uh, God is going to use other people, other powers to do His work is, is 
going to be seen, but it's also uh, God's sovereignty. God's in control of things. Even though he's being rejected by uh, the nation, he's being rejected in the hearts of men, God still is active. He knows people's hearts. He knows what's going on. God is continually throughout history trying to perfect his people, trying to save his people from death. This is an ongoing thing. This is an active God. Uh, God is active in the lives of of those uh, that he loves. And so um, God is now going to be prophesying through Isaiah that he's going to be using the nation of Assyria to come in and invade to punish Israel, uh, but then at the same time, he is reassuring the nation of Israel that don't worry, that in the end, there's going to be a remnant of you people that are still going to, that are, that are going to still remain believing in me, in my ways, keeping my word. So, <clears throat> on one hand, I'm going to let the Assyrians come in and get rid of the unbelievers, the sinful people, the wicked people, the people that cannot be in my presence. But And, and of course, the good people are going to be suffering too. But those people who persist in their faith, persist in, um, in uh, following my commandments, he's saying to them, that remnant will survive. And then he's saying to them, I will then judge Assyria according to their hearts as well. And so that's what's going to have to occur. So we'll jump right in. Uh, chapter 10, Isaiah, verse 1. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees or in other words, unjust judges, and the writers who keep writing oppression, to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right. So what is he saying here? Unjust judges who try to um, uh, pass laws and decrees and, of course, judgment on people, uh, woe to you judges if you're not if you're not judging in righteousness. And as McGee points out, what a solemn duty a judge has. And if a judge is not applying um, fairness according to the eyes of God, when that judge judges, then that judge who was given that position of authority by God, to judge others. God put them there for a reason, and uh, it allows that judge to sort of take the place temporarily of, of uh, mediating society. But there's only one just judge. There's only one judge, and that's the Father. And that will be the Lord Jesus when He, he, when he judges. But if they're unjust judges that are not uh, judging fairly and that are not uh, keeping God's commands, God's going to deal with them even more sternly. 
to turn aside the needy from justice, to rob the poor of my people of their right. Courts without justice um, is terrible in God's eyes because God's all about judge, judgment. God's all about justice. God's all about fairness. And when the courts do not hand down um, fair judgment for people, then the poor and the needy get oppressed even more. And McGee was pointing out an interesting point that you've got a lot of judges today who don't judge um, fairly. And he uses an example of of, um, criminals who disobey and, and they might get a trial, but if the judge, unfortunately, to be popular, um, doesn't, doesn't hand out a proper and fair judgment, in other words, punish that person fairly for what they have done, then, then in the end, you've got society where uh, criminals uh, remain on the streets or the, the, the community's not safe, and then the poor uh, fall victim to that even more. So you've got the poor suffering, the violence of society, and criminals in society. And we see so much of that today. I mean, we see um, um, people not being punished for their, for their crimes. They get let off. Uh, they don't serve their time. And uh, it's all done for the sake of popularity or for the sake of politicians. And then look at what happens to society in general. Um, the poor get hurt even more. And um, there's only one proper judge. There's only one proper politician. There's only one proper leader that can, that can actually help the poor uh, McGee was making the point that look at all the money and the tax money that goes to try to help the poor, and it really doesn't help the poor. Only God helps the poor. Only God's uh, provision can help the poor. But um, there's an awful lot of money that is thrown to the poor, but it doesn't, for the most part, doesn't make the poor any less poor. And so it's only God's help that ultimately um, helps. And so, um, verse 3, What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? So now he's talking about, what will you unjust judges do? Because judgment is going to be coming for you. To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your wealth? All this money that people get stored up, they think they're, that gives them security. Well, it's not because judgment is going to come for this people. Verse 4, nothing remains to crouch among the prisoners. Nothing remains but to crouch among the prisoners or fall among the slain. For all this his anger has not turned away. And his hand is stretched out still. In other words, there's there's not going to be any place for you to run. There's not, no place to hide. You either crouch among the prisoners or fall among the dead, among the slain. 
That's it. Those are the options. And everything's going to be taken away. And then what are you going to have to hold on to? Verse 5, Ah, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. So God now, and ah sort of means, uh, it's a, I believe I was reading that that's kind of an expression of grief. You know, this is not what God wants to have to do, but this is what he, he's going to need to do. And he's saying, the rod of my anger is going to be this country. The staff in their hands is my fury. Okay? God's going to be using this nation of Assyria to punish Israel. Verse 6, against a godless nation I send him. This is the Assyrian. And against the people of my wrath... I command him. So God's commanding Syria to do this, but Syria doesn't know that. They don't think that way. They think they're doing it to God's people. But really, God's allowing it to happen. He's actually commanding it to happen. To take, spoil, and seize, plunder, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. This is bad stuff. Verse 7, But he does not so intend, and his heart does not so think. Okay, so the Assyrian's not going to think that God's commanding him to do it, else they wouldn't do it, you know. But they're thinking they're just doing it to, to get even with the Israel nation of Israel. But it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. For he says, are not my commanders all kings? Now we'll drop down to verse uh, 10. As my hand is reached to the kingdoms of the idols, whose carved images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her idols as I have done to Samaria and her images? Okay? So, so now he's saying you've, you've uh, conquered uh, the northern part of of Israel. Let, let me just do the same thing to the southern part. Okay? So the Assyrian king is thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna wipe this whole nation. Verse twelve When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I have understanding. So what he's saying here is that once the Assyrian king does what God needs them to do, then God's going to punish the Assyrian king. He's going to punish the Assyrians. And uh, verse 15, shall the axe boast over him who hews with it, or the, or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it? So, God's comparing Syria to like the axe or the saw as a tool in God's hand. God is using the nation of Assyria just like an axe or a saw as a tool 
to cut wood or to do some purpose. And he's asking the rhetorical question is that shall the axe be so boastful or the saw be so boastful that it, that is greater than the one who's actually using the axe or using the saw? No, the axe is just a tool, a simple tool. As if a rod should wield him who lifts it or a staff should lift him who is not wood. Okay, so the the the, the axe is just a simple piece of metal or like the saw or a rod or a staff is just a simple piece of wood. The person who's using these tools is even greater. And that's the comparison here that God is even greater than this nation of Assyria that God is using. And then verse 16, Therefore the Lord God of hosts will send wasting sickness among his stout warriors, and under his glory a burning will be kindled like the burning of a fire. Down to 18, the glory of his forest and of his fruitful land, the Lord will destroy both soul and body, and it will be as when a sick man wastes away. So God is going to send this sickness through the Assyrian army, and they're just all going to die. Boom! Isn't it amazing that when when God yields his hand, the, these mighty... Uh, these mighty nation uh, armies uh, just in just a few seconds are gone. A few minutes are gone. Remember the, the mighty Egyptian army coming down in on this nation of Israel leave, leaving Egypt. They're passing through the, the, uh, through the waters here. Um, and um, they're having to pass through. And um, the arrogance of the uh, Egyptian armies were just coming in because they're they're coming down in, into the into the sea when the waters were being parted by Moses because it was so easy to kill all these people right there. And then as God protected them and allowed the last person to come across and then the waters came back together and in just a minute the whole egyptian army is drowned complete utter devastating victory and then um, the assyrian army is just going to be wiped out too the israel the nation of israel didn't even have to have a single soldier to defeat them doesn't even need a single soldier but this is after the Assyrian army has done this brutal uh, uh, cleansing to the nation of Israel, doing what God wanted them to do. God would not let this nation do to his people uh, what they wanted to do. It was God's purpose. It was God's plan. And it was God's sovereignty. So in other words, even in the middle of all this trouble, even in the middle of all this calamity, this invasion, this plundering of people, God would not let anything happen to those people, this nation, other than what He thought they needed to have happen 
God was in control. Verse 20, we'll drop down to verse 20. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them. Okay, So they're not going to have to lean on the Assyrians anymore, but will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. Okay, And in that day, a remnant will return. The remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. So in other words, this remnant of people now who are going to survive, this is a prophecy. So this is telling the nation that you're not going to get wiped out. Verse 22, For through your people Israel be as the sand of the sea. Okay? Only a remnant of them will return. Okay? So even though the nation was great, a remnant will return. Destruction is decreed, overflowing with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make a full end as decreed in the midst of all the earth. Okay, so God's going to complete this. And he says... Be not afraid of the Assyrians, down in 24, when they strike with the rod and lift up their staff against you, as the Egyptians did. For in a very little while my fury will come to an end, and my anger will be directed to their destruction. In verse 26, And the Lord of hosts will wield against them a whip, and when he struck Midian... At the rock of Orb, and his staff will be over the sea, and he will lift it as he did in Egypt. And in that day, his burden will depart from your shoulder. In other words, the Assyrians are going to get off your back, and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke that used to harness you will be broken because of the fat. In other words, because you're going to be so fat and healthy like an ox, it's just going to bust <coughs> the the. The chains is going to bust the yoke. It's going to bust the uh, um, enslavement that the Assyrians are going to have on the nation. And then down twenty-eight through um, thirty-two, it just talks about the different cities that the Assyrian army is going to come, but it they're going to be stopped at Nob, which is outside of Jerusalem. The Syrian's going to be stopped, and maybe that's where the sickness is going to hit them. But it says, verse 33, Behold, the Lord of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. So this is um, <clears throat> this is um, a prophecy of the Assyrian advancement is going to be stopped, but the Lord of Hosts will stop them with terrifying power. Now McGee kind of says uh, that not only. Um, is this looking at the Assyrian army 
that's going to be stopped coming into Jerusalem. But he's made reference that it might even be also a prophecy uh, when the Lord Jesus returns, that there may be another invasion coming into Jerusalem also, and that this invasion might uh, be stopped on the in that day, you know, the day of the Lord, um, that this army will be um, stopped with terrifying power and will fall by the majestic one. But in any case, um, as we'll we'll keep going through to to see how this prophecy reads out, but um, it is certain. Uh, with all certainty to the nation of Israel, Isaiah is telling King Ahaz, he's telling the anyone who will listen at this point that that uh, judgment is coming. The Assyrians are coming. They are going to do some bad things. There's nowhere to hide. Woe to you, you, um, <clears throat> you unjust judges, politicians, and those in power. You're not going to have anywhere to run or hide. But it's not all bad because God's going to preserve this remnant to survive. So we have that same assurance today. And it may be looking crazy uh, in this world. There's certainly a lot of unjust judges. There's certainly a lot of corruption in politics. And and just almost everywhere you, you turn, there is either some type of injustice, corruption, uh, misery, poverty, wickedness, or people oppressing one another, people um, uh, turning to whatever wisdom that they think they're going to uh, thrive or survive. It's so interesting to see the philosophy of liberal thinking today. It's like their morality is um, really based on whatever is good for them. You know, that's their morality. That's their compass. So whatever gets me the most money, whatever gets does me the best, that's ultimately what's right for me. So what's right for me um, is right for me, and what's right for you is right for you. So just leave me alone. So in other words, it's this relativism, moral relativism. And we see that so much today. And... Uh, God actually is seemingly in the minority today. You don't see the majority of people in worship to one morality, one right and one wrong. You don't see that today. And so just as, um, just as uh, there was a, a small remnant of people that were keeping God's will, keeping God's commandments, observing God's laws. We have a small remnant uh, today in the faith, and and perhaps judgment is coming on all of us again. Um, it's kind of folly to think that there's going to be one group of people that's preserved from being judged by God. Everybody will be judged by God. And so it's it's very interesting and humbling to know that God uses nations that are that are hateful, despicable nations to do His bidding, to do His work. You know, the Assyrians 
very evil people. And it's really, it would be just almost unthinkable to think, why would God use them? And um, we don't know. It's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know in the middle of all that that God was using that army to do all those things to Israel. But it's according to God's purpose. <clears throat> so God is a sovereign God. God is in control. God is very active. Um, and we see a very active role in the endeavors of humans that um, that impact human history. God is impacting human history. So, encouraging, uh, wonderful study through this book of Isaiah. So, we will uh, take back up on Monday um, next week with verse 11. I mean, chapter 11. So, for me to all of you, have a great weekend. God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And I'll turn the podcast over now to my uh, co-host, Matali in Zambia. Take it away, Matali.